there are some truths that get harder and harder to preach in our culture because they're unpopular. And uh, we continue to preach them simply because we believe that the Bible teaches them and that they are God's truth. And what we have been talking about in terms of the role of men and women in a marriage, uh, we believe the scripture teaches that we do have different roles in marriage. Uh, some who, um, who say that this is no longer valid for today would say that that, uh, that that was simply an accommodation to the culture of the time, and we've outgrown that, and we're past all that. Uh, and the problem is that when we go to the Scripture and we see these things taught, we find them grounded not in some cult, relative cultural situation, but, um, but theologically. So as we look at a couple verses today, uh, when the same things are taught in Ephesians, where it says that uh, wives are to submit to their husbands even as the church submits to Christ, and a man is head of his wife even as Christ is head of his church, we see those roles grounded theologically in the very nature of the church and God's design, not in culture. And so the call then to love our wives is modeled on Christ's love for his church. And so we teach a complementarian view that is uh, uh, different from the egalitarian. Egalitarian teaches an absolute equality among uh, folks that, that dissolves all differences of role in a marriage. They don't believe that these things speak into the current situation in a marriage. And we would say that they continue to speak. We also believe in the equality of men and women. They're equally smart and equally valuable and equal before God in every way, but that God has define different roles, complementary roles, that we're given a different role to play that complement each other and make the home a harmonious place, that there are these kind of structures in government and in the church and in the home, and it is God's design. We're in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 17 to 19. Hear then the word of God. Paul says, God says, That whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we do indeed come to you and to your word this morning. You have spoken. We would listen. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your word. Father, I pray for husbands this morning that you would help them to hear your word afresh, to hear the call afresh. And Father, more than that information and call, would you come near to them and move us and to motivate us by the power of your spirit to rise up as the husbands you desire us to be in the image of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you weren't here two weeks ago, I encourage you, all the sermons are online and so are my sermon notes, so you can go and listen to sermons for the last six or eight years. And Last week is on there with all my notes and quotes, Uh, they're there with the video as well, just click on resources. Uh, So we did Wives two weeks ago, Easter last week, and this morning we're really in verse 19, which is, husbands, love your wives... Do not be harsh with them. And I know sometimes when, when these two verses are read, 18 and 19, or in, in the passage in Ephesians, that women often hear and think that their job is a hard job uh, to submit to their husbands. I'm not saying it's easy, don't get me wrong. But, 
But husbands have a job, and it is equally hard. And I hope that, husband, you will hear this morning the call of Christ, and, it's, and that Christ's call is always that rich, deep call. And it is not easy to follow Him and to model Him in our marriages and our home. Paul says that we are to do everything, in verse 17, to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, to do everything in the name of the Lord. And then he goes on to apply that in doing everything in his name to all these relationships. He immediately says, wives, submit to your husband. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Parents, don't be, you know, don't provoke your children. Servants, uh, you know, serve your, 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 your employers with an honest heart. Employers, be just and fair. He says, all these things, whatever you do in all of these relationships, you do it is unto the Lord, not unto the other person per se. You know, so what that means is he applies this first and foremost to wives and husbands. The first thing that he comes out, wives and husbands. The first thing he's saying is do these things with passion unto the Lord. The, the, these commands, you're to do it with all your heart is unto the, to the Lord. And not unto your spouse. So in other words, it, it means that your marriage is not just about you and your spouse. That the way I love my wife is not just about my wife. It's about the way I love the Lord and hear His call and answer it. Because it is the Lord's call here for you to love your wives. So whatever your part in marriage, whether it's wives, submit to your husbands, is, is fitting in the Lord. Or husband, love your wives. It's not just about your, your spouse. It's about your Lord, the one who calls, the one who commands, the one who says these things. So me loving my wife is about me loving my Lord and honoring him. And so he starts with these two one-liners, though. It's fascinating to me. He boils down the teaching he gives more fully in Ephesians and elsewhere. He gives in one-liners, one to the wife and one to the husband. Submit to your husband as is fitting. In the Lord, not in the culture, but in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. It's not just about you. If a wife's calling in marriage is summed up by that one sentence, and that's interesting to me, right? And it goes, so wives, submit to your husbands. What would, if that's this call to the wife, if you weren't looking at it and weren't thinking about it, what would be the one word if you were to sum up the husband's call? What would be the one word that you would choose? Some of the husbands, knowing Ephesians, would be like, well, he's husband, be the head of your wife, be in charge, lead, you know, or something. We would go there. That, that if this is a one-liner that sums up the wife's role, what's the one word that will sum up the husband role? Paul doesn't go there for his one word if he only has one. What is your word, husband? What is your word? Love. Love your wives. Let that sink in just for a moment. The call of the Lord upon you as a husband to your wife. What is your, what is your role? Hear God speaking it to you. Husband, love your wives. Love her well. Love her sincerely. Love her above all, except the Lord. 
Love your wife. And this is instructive to us because it does not mean that the husband is not the head in his home because Ephesians and other places teach that multiple times and places. But, but in summing up, even to understand what that means to be head and leader in the home comes this word to help us. It defines what it means to be the head and leader in your home. And first and foremost, the husband is telling you, you're to be the lead lover. Right? You're to be the head in loving the leader in loving in your home. To be a loving leadership by loving well, we model what this means to lead. First Corinthians thirteen, we know that it starts and says, you know, that if you have faith that moves mountain and you can fathom all mystery and you can do all that, and you have not love, you're nothing. And so, husbands, I believe that that's part of what Paul says right here. And he says, husband, you can be the head of your wife and and the leader in your home, and you can be this. But if you have not love, you are nothing. If you're not loving her well, it's not working. You're not doing it right, right? For for all those other things, without if it has not love. Your clanging symbol, your leadership, your whatever it is. If you have not love, your job before anything else, heart and mind, attitude of love toward your wife. Husbands, love her. God goes straight to the heart of a husband. He comes for your attitude, comes for your posture, he comes for your heart. It's time to get serious about our calling at home, husbands, because he said, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as he goes through these relationships in verse 23, he says, work at it heartily as unto the Lord. Work at a heart of love towards your wife. It's your primary calling. It's a summary of your job description is to love her and to love her well. And God doesn't settle for half-heartedness when he calls us to follow and to serve and to imitate him in these things. We're to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus means don't do it half-heartedly. We do it genuinely and we do it wholeheartedly and we do it actively and purposefully. Some of you will say to me, but Robert, (laughs) she's hard to love. All right, I hear you. So are you, as often as not, right? So are you, and so are you before the Lord. Like, do you think the Lord finds it easy to love you all the time? You think that, you know, that you're pulling it off, being the most lovable object of his affection day by day, that he, but that he sets his love upon you eternally and unchangeably for you and not against you? How many of his commands does he say, you know, oh, he gives you ten commandments, and is there a little subscript that says, oh, by the way, if he find any of these hard, don't worry about it. That's not, that's not the, so I hear you, you know, it, sometimes it is hard to love the people in our lives that we're called to love, but that, that doesn't mean that we're still not to give our wholehearted efforts into it. And and Ephesians 5.25, my friends, my brothers, raises the bar. He says in Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives like Jesus loves his church. Love her like Jesus loves his bride. Let me just ask you, how well do you think he does his job? 
How well do you think he does it? When it comes to loving, how good is Jesus at it? Husbands, like Jesus, with his bride, love her. Study and imitate Jesus' love for his bride throughout the scripture, in the gospels, and as it's taught and comes across in the, in the epistles, the way Jesus loves his bride. And as you study the way Jesus cares for and provides for and protects and loves his bride, and then we have a pattern to imitate. We have a model to follow. I said a couple of weeks ago, when I was speaking to the wives, that a husband has to be very careful how he treats his wife. Because we're to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And if that's what we're doing and that's our job description, then how we're loving our wives declares something, says something about what we think about the way Jesus does it. So the way I love my wife or fail to love my wife reflects upon, declares something about what I think is the way Jesus is doing it because that's my job. And so we have to be careful what we are saying about Jesus by the way we love or don't love our wives. Now, there are a number of profitable ways, studies, that you could do to see what does that look like. How does Jesus love? You could go to the Gospels and simply read through and see how he treats people, and you can mark all the way through and and note the way Jesus loves. You could go through the epistles and, and see all the ways Jesus provides for his church, all the ways that he supplies and cares for and what he does for and his posture toward his church and all the ways as you read through and make a list, husband. That's a nice, good study for you on Sunday afternoon on a Sabbath day to sit down and make a list of the ways that the Lord Jesus loves you, his church. And then make and, and apply that over and to say, how do I live out that list with my wife? To be unto her like the Lord Jesus is unto his church. A couple of other ways to do it. I'm going to pull from these. I wish I could do them all, but but my clock's working now. So (laughs) uh, I've got limits. I've got limits. And so we'll pull from like 1 Corinthians. Some of the, you know them, but husband, I want you to hear them fresh for you toward your wife in a very specific in your home, day by day, morning by morning, night by night. The way the Bible describes love, Jesus is the living word. And so as the Bible describes love, we know that Jesus embodies that word in his own loving. And that when it calls us to love and and defines and delineates what love looks like, we know that they're delineating the character of Jesus in the way that he does it. And so when we see in the fruit of the Spirit that love, the fruit of the Spirit is, and we know that in that verse right there, fruit is singular, right? The, The fruit of the Spirit Fruit singular is love. What does love look like? It looks like the other eight. Love is joy and peace and patience and kindness and its goodness and its gentleness and its faithfulness and its self-control. And this is how Jesus loves. The fruit of his spirit, the loving spirit of Jesus, is joyful and it's shalom. Husband, do do you love in such a way that you bring shalom, peace into your home? patient, and it's kind, and it's gentle. And this is, this is what the text says, right? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Be patient and kind and gentle, because that's what love is. It's how it's done. 
It's how it's lived out and experienced together. It is joyful. We love in the gentleness of the spirit and not in the harshness of the flesh. Your wife should never, ever, ever be afraid of you. Ever. As the Lord Jesus, when he encounters you or you encounter him, usually his first words are, do not be afraid. Perfect love casts out fear. Do not be afraid. Your spouse should never be afraid of you. Love her faithfully, right? The fruit of the Spirit as it comes to the end, it is faithful and self-controlled. And so we love her faithfully, keeping our heart and our mind and our body only for her. And so long as we both shall live till the Lord does take us home. And so we must do that work of self-control, of being faithful in heart and body to our spouse. And I know some of these are hard patience and gentleness. I know for me they came hard as, as a young man and an immature man and as an immature Christian coming from uh, yeah, a background where it was not, I did not learn it real well and brought into my marriage and early in my marriage, hearing my wife trying to tell me that I'm not, that I'm harsh or condescending or mean. Husband, if your wife is trying to tell you those things, listen. How do we change that? If that is hard, you may say, I hear you, brother, but how do I, I can't get a handle on it. And I would simply say, you have to go to Jesus about these things. He says, come to me and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle of heart. And that's where I went for it. I went because I, you know, I just say, oh, I won't do it tomorrow. Well, I did it tomorrow, and I won't do it the next day. Well, then I did it the next day, you know, until I start going to Jesus and saying, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be Treat my wife that way. I want to learn from you humility. I am humble and gentle of heart. That is you, Jesus. And so day by day as I fail, I confess and repent. And day by day as I fail, I say, Jesus, teach me your gentleness and humility. And I memorize other verses that talk about gentleness. Like it's the fruit of his spirit is gentleness and patience and kindness. And, and these are things I rehearse and learn. And I ask of him as I repent of my sin and plead for his grace and his power to be different. And you know what? He is faithful, and you will grow, and you will be like him more and more as you walk with him daily, seeking that grace in your life. 1 Corinthians 13 is a further description of biblical love, and it overlaps, and we know, that's why I know the fruit of the Spirit is patience and kindness, because that's what 1 Corinthians says, love is patient and kind. So we know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it, it is patient, and it is kind, but 1 Corinthians says so much more. It brings the gospel out. It is not proud. It is humble. It is gracious. It keeps no record of wrong. It forgives. Like Jesus forgives freely and fully. It believes all things. It bears all things. It hopes all things. And it never fails. Like the love of Jesus never fails. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow in his love. And the beauty of it toward us. Praise be to God that it is consistent and beautiful. And it doesn't fail. And that whole worldly thing that I've fallen out of love is, is, is a lie from the pit of hell. Because love is what you give. Love is what you covenant with your spouse. Love is what you will do for her like Jesus has done for you. Husbands, it is your J-O-B. 
to make your wives feel loved and cherished and secure. It is our job. Until I understood that and went after trying to do that, she'll tell you today, you know, ah, he's mediocre at it. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing here like I got all figured out because she'll take questions after, you know. <laughs> I, 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 but but our, our posture is to love my wife and, and I, to make her to know and to feel and to experience that she is loved and I want her to be secure and to do those things. And why do I think it's our job to do that? Because Romans 5.5 5 says God, God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't stand at a distance and say, you know I love you, quit asking. You know, or, you know, no, he pours out his love into our hearts by his Spirit. He wants us to know and to experience that he loves us. And he says, husbands, love your wives the way that the Lord loves you and makes you to know his love in what he does and, and in the ways that he communicates it. In Romans 8, as it reaches that climax of, you know, the Lord is for us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? And then he says, and what can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ? He wants you to know that nothing can separate. And he goes on to list, can fire or trial or tribulation or sword or famine or the present or the future or anything at all of creation separate us? No. Husband, does your wife know that? You are in. So the Lord takes you home. And there is nothing, nothing that will separate you from her. Do you, does she know that? Does she feel the security of your love, your abiding, unfailing Love for her till she dies. And we, gotta, we need to tell them, husbands, here's the thing. You've got to use your words. You've got to use them. Right? You, we have to t- tell them. You have to tell her. You have to pray it with her. When I pray with my wife, I, I want to regularly pray, Father, strengthen our marriage and deepen our marriage and help us love each other and forgive each other. I pray my desires for our marriage with her. Does she hear you pray for the strength and health and depth of your marriage, that it's your concern, that it is your hope and desire and your commitment and your passion. Do you pray it with her? Use your words. She needs to know your heart. It needs to be your heart, and she needs to know your heart. Jesus' love is self-denying. Ephesians 5, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. Right? And we scoot over that. I mean, you know, he did that on the cross. And how am I? But he gave himself up for her. And what does it mean? I would say this. The most concrete form of your love in your home that your wife will see and taste and know is self-denial. Selflessness. It's the opposite of selfishness. Which is where husbands tend to live so often. Self-denial, that's what that means. Jesus, he loved her and he gave himself up for her. He denied himself. He left his throne. He took our flesh. He lived our lives. He hungered and he thirsted and he died on a cross and he bore our sins. He loved her and he denied himself to the point of death on a cross 
self-denial of our own needs and comforts. Our love is sacrificial. Lou Priolo in his book on, uh, on the complete husband says, love is giving others what they need. That's the essence of love. It's outgoing. That's why love never fails, because it's outgoing. It's not about what you're getting. It's not about what you're feeling. It's not about what I have. We fall out of that. It's like, well, you're not doing it for me anymore. Is all the selfish thing, but love is giving. Love is Meeting others' needs, biblically, it is so clear and so powerful. Love is giving others what they need. Brian Chappell, in his book, Each for the Other, says, Headship involves taking responsibility, even to the point of personal sacrifice for the well-being of another. The biblical head of a family lives selflessly. Because that's Jesus. That is our God who has loved us this way. Philippians 2, 3 to 5 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And if that's true of all of us, it is absolutely true for the husband who is going to live selflessly to do nothing out of selfishness, ambition or conceit, but in humility. Counting others more significant, counting your spouse more significant than yourself. Some translate that of thinking of your spouse before, thinking of the other before yourself, thinking of the other first. It does nothing selfishly, but it thinks of the other person first. It, it looks out not only for your own interests, it's looking out for her interests. That a lot of your life is figuring out what her interests are to make sure that they're served as well as your own. This is the mind of Christ among you. To love like Jesus loves. He understands our needs and he has taken it upon himself to supply them. God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He will supply all our needs. Husband, as you love your wife, as Christ has loved the church, do you you even know what her needs are? One of the great complaints I hear again and again is wives feel neglected. 1 Peter 3 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. That is according to knowledge. means be smart about it. Know your wife. Know Her needs live in an understanding way with them. That means you need to understand them, to live with them in harmony and for your home to be shalom and to know her and understand her, to become a student of how she's wired and what she needs. And I'll tell you, the number one skill, husband, that you can learn is this. At least for me, it's what I've learned, and I think it's so many places, I guess it's one of the big rubs is communication. He talked to me a lot when we dated. He hadn't said much since we got married. <laughs> you know, he does to do his own thing. But we have to learn to talk for her sake, not yours. I don't need to talk. See, and that's where the husband goes. I don't need to talk. I don't want to talk. I don't feel like talking. I talked enough today. I've used my words, right? Whatever it is. But it's not about you. I'm not saying talk because you need to talk. If, you, if that were the rule, you wouldn't. But here's the thing. What does she need? She needs you to talk to her about you, 
and about her and about things that matter, spiritual things. That's how you love her. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who is a great Welsh doctor uh, turned pastor preacher, I've got dozens of his collected sermons in his sermon on uh, Ephesians. It's interesting to see this guy. He's part of the revival of the Reformed, uh, you know, the Puritan Reformed uh, revival of the last uh, 50 or 60 years. He says, I've known trouble in marriages so often simply because of an absence of conversation. We all know how much there is to be said by way of excuse. A man is tired. He's been at his work or his office all day. He comes home, he's weary and tired, and he wants rest and he wants peace. You can add your own excuses, husband. You got a few, they're probably not on the list. Yes, 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 but the same thing is also true of your wife with the difference that perhaps she's been alone all day or she's only had the society of little children all day or she's working a full-time job too all day or pouring herself in other ways. Whether we like it or not, we must talk. Tell her about your business. Tell her about your worries. Tell her about your affairs. Bring her into it. Share life with her. She is your body. She is a part of you. Allow her to speak concerning it. Consult her. Let her bring her understanding to bear. She is part of your life, so bring her into the whole of your life. Husband, are you doing that? Make yourself talk. Learn to do it. I can remember early in my marriage, I would pray on my way home. I've been with people all day. I've met every hour for an hour with people talking all day. And on my way home, I'd be praying, Father, help me to love my wife and my children. Help me to go home and not be a taker, be a giver. Help me to go home and think about her needs and to pour myself out. My kids need me, and I'm tired. Fill me with your spirit. Strengthen me by your grace. Help me to love my family well. And not live in the realm of excuse, but in the power of Christ to do his will and his ways. The number one problem in every marriage is selfishness in wives and in husbands. But I see it in husbands in so many ways. Wanting their time to be their time, to play games, to watch games, to go fishing, to work at hobbies, to be left alone. To not have to be concerned about the other needs. I've, got, I've worked all day. It's your problem. I want to be served rather than to serve. Do you know that is the opposite of Jesus? He said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Husband, do you come into your home to serve and to give your life for many? Or do you come to be served? All right, maybe you get it. There, there is enough here, but let me just close with these two quick thoughts. Number one is that if, there are, if your marriage is not all that it should be, husband, it's your responsibility. If there is a problem in your marriage, and if your wife says there's a problem, there's a problem. It's not only a problem if you think there's a problem. I'm, I am dead serious. There's not, if your wife figures a problem, there is a problem. And it's your problem. Because her problems are your problems. Ephesians says you love her like your own body. And if your leg has a problem, you got a problem. Right? All her issues, all her problems are your problems. And if she says there's a problem, you better take it seriously. Because even, even though it may not be all your fault, 
It is all your responsibility. You want to be the head? You want to be the, the leader? You are in charge? Okay, you are in charge in that respect. It may not be all your fault there's a problem, but it is your responsibility. And it is on us to make sure that those problems are addressed and fixed one way or another. I remember the day where, and many times in our marriage actually, but a lot of it started early. We, we both came into marriage and we had a lot to learn and ways to grow and it was kind of rough. And on those days where my wife would come to me and say, you know, we got a problem. I'm not happy. I am not happy in our marriage. And, and my first response is, what's the problem? <laughs> right, man? What? I'm fine. Why aren't you fine? My needs are met. What's your? Right? But that's men. We're oblivious. <laughs> All I can tell you, husband, you better listen. You better hear and take responsibility. And by the grace of God, say something like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? I'll do whatever it takes. Did not your Lord do whatever it takes? Step off his throne. Take on your flesh. Live your life. Suffer in our humanity, bear your sin, whatever it took. What will it take? And so we would sit and make lists, you know. You, you work on these three things, and I'm going to work on these three things, and we'll meet in two weeks, and we'll talk about them, and be patient with me. I'm telling you, I want to do those better. Have mercy on me, as the Lord will. I will deal with God about these things. And we would make lists of things we're going to do, and always on the list was we're going to date every week. And husband, if you're not dating your wife every week, I don't care if you're just taking her for a walk or out for ice cream, but every week you need to pursue your wife and love your wife. And, and she needs to know, she needs to know that she is the most important thing next to the Lord Jesus. And I guess the work hours he has to keep by law or, you know, is that she's the most important thing in your life. She needs to be made to feel that, to know that. Don't try to be like Jesus, apart from Jesus. We can't do it. I know, and if you're not feeling it right now, uh, husband, but, I, but don't you feel that in every area of your Christian life, be holy as he is holy? Don't try to be holy apart from the Holy God and his Holy Spirit and his grace and his power in your life. You can't do it. You can't decide tomorrow, I'm going to pull this off, because you won't. Only by the grace and power of the Lord Jesus, you've got husband here. And the number one problem in marriages is this, is Christ is not number one. And he needs to be number one in your life, husband. You need to be pursuing him and knowing him and loving him and walking with him and worshiping him and submitting yourself to him. And when you do, and when you imitate him in your marriage, it's not hard for a wife to submit to a husband that loves her well. Right? Do you have trouble submitting to Jesus? I mean... We, we willingly want to submit to Jesus. Why? Because he loves us so well. Don't make it hard. And find in Christ the grace and the power. I would say more about it, but I don't have time. So pray with me. Father in heaven, we confess that apart from you we can do nothing. As husbands or as wives, we will struggle to be like Jesus. We will fail. But we know also that your grace is sufficient. That by the power of your spirit and your presence in our lives, that as we walk with you and know you and love you, as we abide in you, we will bear much fruit. We long to bear this fruit in our homes and in our marriages. 
Would you come near to us today and help us fix our hearts and our minds so that we love your word, believe your word, and set ourselves to obey it, not in the strength of our flesh, but by pressing into you and finding in you the strength and the power and the grace to be like Jesus, in whose name we ask and pray. Amen.